What is up, everybody? You're listening to the Crossings Church Podcast, where the problems of life meet the power of God. I am your host, Matt, and we hope you enjoy this sermon. Don't forget to visit us in St. Louis, located on 11050 North Orson Road in Maryland Heights. Uh, good morning, and welcome to the Crossings Church. We are glad you are joining us uh, here. Uh, this is a pre-recording that we've done uh, because we are still in phase two of, of our, our services, and because of COVID, we decided to go from having actual services to go to, to house churches. So the next thing would be going to uh, services with, with restrictions, but uh, with all the things happening in the county and an increase in the COVID that we decided that, that we're going to go back to phase two. So you're probably joining us uh, at somebody's house. Uh, we also have streaming uh, online for who, whoever is uh, social distancing uh, even even more. Uh, we have a couple of, uh, of announcements we'd like to make today that we have uh, something coming up that's exciting. And it's because of COVID and all the things, the, the restrictions, we've had to change it a little bit. So we are starting our uh, Real Truth Cinema which uh, we've done in the past. And basically what it is is that we will have a movie on Saturday. And what we're going to do is uh, at the school, and we have all the information online, but at the school where we usually meet, uh, we will have uh, a section uh, on the field uh, where we'll have it marked with cones so families can be together and still social distancing, but we'll have a big uh, blow-up screen and a projector there to, to watch a movie together. There will also be a possibility of more limited amount of, of slots uh, for a drive-in experience at the same place uh, for those who want to social distance uh, even more or who need it. Uh, so if you would like that, the information is online. Uh, just get in touch if you'd like to do the drive-in. Uh, if not, this will start on the, the 12th, um, and just we, we'd be excited for you to be there. So we'll have the movie on Saturday, and then the sermon series on Sunday will be about the movie uh, and we'll talk more and, and the, about the application of what it is. Our first movie we'll be watching is uh, Onward. Uh, it's a, a Pixar movie that uh, has come out. It uh, uh, hasn't been long ago, but it's just a really great movie, and it has a lot of good lessons in that. So we really hope that you can, uh, that you can be part of it. Uh, with that, we are going to start. Let's pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for, for this day. Thank you for us being able to still meet, even with uh, having to, to rely on technology and the different things that we've had to, done to do because of COVID. Uh, we are still able to get together in our, in our house churches and have interaction, and people are still able to see us online. Lord, I just ask you to be with everyone. There's so much going on in our country. It seems to so many that 2020 is one of the, the hardest years, and it's we just want to get past this, Lord. But the truth is I know that you're still working in our communities and our families and, and people's hearts so that things will change and they can have a relationship with you, Lord. Uh, I just want to ask for, you know, there are hard things that are happening in this country. Um, I just ask you to be with uh, Jacob Blake and his family and, and so many that are hurting out there because of, of things that are happening. And, Lord, uh, just with fires in California, Lord, with COVID and... And uh, it seems like, seems like it just keeps coming, and we know that, that that is part of life and that we need to keep going and doing and obeying your word, Lord. But I do ask you to be with the families and, and just help us to heal and heal our community, Lord. And I know that's going to be through you. I thank you so much for, for, for the blessings that you do give us because in the middle of this and so, many, so much hardship, sometimes we often we forget 
that you have done and are doing incredible things for people, Lord. That if they trust you and trust your son and, and your word and your message, that we're going to be a, a church that's unstoppable. That our communities are going to be able to have people that heal and, and that are able to heal others and, and to move forward in their lives, Lord. I just ask that you be with, with, uh, with our members here, with people that are watching us uh, today with our guests, that, that we can be a force that's, that's to change this world for something better, Lord. Thank you so much for your son, Jesus, who came and, and sacrificed so much, Lord. And it's through sacrifice that we're going to be able to show people the love that he gave and that you've shown through him, Lord. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. We are in a uh, sermon series called The Acts of an Unstoppable Church. And we are looking at the book of Acts. We are in number eight of the series, and we could go on for, for a long time just because of the size of the book of Acts. And what the book, book of Acts is, is, is a collection of, of stories and things that happened right after Jesus had, had died and resurrected and gone to heaven to be with his father. And he left and told us that, that he was going to, to come back at one time. But after that in Acts, it was what people were doing for God, what the apostles and disciples that, that had done uh, incredible things in the world went to do. And we get to have those accounts in the book of Acts. What we're looking at today is, the uh, is that unstoppable churches reproduce disciples who reproduce churches. And we've, we've talked about several different things about how, how we need to be convinced disciples, that we need to be people that are going out and, and not letting the things of the world uh, change the, the focus that we have, that sometimes the, what, the things that hinder us are, are from people from outside that are trying to stop us. Sometimes from inside you have turmoil. But if we're going to be a, a church that's unstoppable and a church that goes out and plants other churches, we're going to need to pay attention to what we're doing. And looking at the books of, of Acts helps us to understand what they did. So what I want to do first is look at a passage in Matthew 28, uh, verses 18 through 20. And what this is called, uh, to many people that understand it, is uh, the Great Commission. And a Great Commission is, is the idea that Jesus sent them out on a mission. He sent them out because he had something very specific he wanted them to do. And he says this, and Jesus said, All the authority of the universe has been given to me. Now go in my authority and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to faithfully follow all that I have commanded you. And never forget that I am with you every day, even to the completion of this age. So what this was, the apostles and, and the other disciples that were there were, were receiving instructions from Christ. And these were his last instructions. And you know, uh, when, when people are in their, in their dying bed, when, when, things, when they, they feel that is the end, they're going to they're gonna impart their most important wisdom to others. This was Christ telling them, look, this is what I want you to do. And he gave this commission to them right, right before he, he, was, he floated out into heaven. And, and he, he's going up, and the apostles don't understand. God had to send angels down to tell him, Hey, look, Jesus isn't going to come right here now. You have to go to Jerusalem and await more instructions. And they did. And, and we've looked at that in the, in the past in these series. But what, there's, what Jesus said here is this ongoing commission that was given to the apostles. And they passed it on to others until it comes to us today. 
that this is the mission that we will keep taking on until the end. That if our focus is going to be on what's important, it is for us to go out and teach other people what we've been taught and make disciples of every nation, of all over the place. So what we're looking today at today is uh, in, in Acts, there, there was this church that was in Antioch. And Antioch was, was planted by people from Jerusalem. And what we know about Antioch is that it became the prom most prominent church that would plant churches all over the known world. That it wasn't from Jerusalem that this came. That it came from Antioch. And, and what we want to do is be that church today. So we are not a church of Jews like Jerusalem was. We are a church of mostly Gentiles like Antioch was. Who want to reach the world. And we want to be the catalyst for a movement of churches like Antioch was. So how are we going to do this? We're going to look at four things today. And the title there is Antioch was like Jerusalem. The crossings can be like Antioch if. There are four things that we need to do. And these four things, as we go into it, you're going to notice that they all begin with we and I. And the reason we put those, those two pronouns there is, is because it doesn't take just a collective of people to do things. It takes each individual stepping up to do the things that God wants them to do. And you can, a lot of times people just sit thinking that someone is going to do it or somebody else needs to do it or we complain that why isn't this being done? And what we need to do is take responsibility and say, why not me? That I will go and do it. What if the person who, who reached you and told you and taught you the things that you, you know today, what if they would have said, well, I think someone else will take care of that person. But instead, they looked at you and loved you and gave you the time of day. That we can, can want to be a great church. But if I don't take it seriously, then it will never happen. So what are those things that we and I need to do? So again, as Antioch was like Jerusalem, the crossings can be like the Antioch if we and I am committed to preaching the gospel of Christ. That we are committed. And it's not just that, that part where we put committed there is this relentless idea in our heads that we're not going to stop. That we're going to keep going. That we're committed to it no matter what happens. And to talk about that, I want to go back to Acts 8, uh, where we talk about this man called Saul. And Saul was a man who was persecuting the church. He later beca actually becomes somebody who, and we talked about this, becomes somebody who was converted and, and, and probably after Christ was, was one of the most known men to, to spread Christianity all over the world. But in Acts 8, this is what was happening. It says, Saul just went wild. And this is in a, a message paraphrase, kind of to illustrate a little more of what the idea is. That Saul just went wild. It says, devastating the church, entering house after house after house, dragging men and women off to jail, forced to leave home base. The Christians all became missionaries. Wherever they were scattered, they preached the message about Jesus. So we see what's happening here is, is, is a situation where for the Christians, for, for the disciples, it became very difficult because they were being targeted. So what did they do? Instead of just stopping what they were doing, they were scattered. They went to all these places and became missionaries. And it says wherever they were scattered, they preached the message about Jesus. In Acts 11, which is getting into the, the text that we're looking at about Antioch, 
In Acts 11:19, it says this, Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. They preached the word of God. So if we are going to be able to plant churches, we have to have a fundamental mission that it is to continue to spread God's message. That if we understand that that is our focus and that is what we need to do individually and as a group, that we're going to go out and be able to do that. That we're going to go into other regions of, 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 of the state or the states that are around us and other regions of the world and talk about the most important thing that we know. That we know that God wants, no matter who we are, to go out and be spread and talk to others about the message that is so important. So as Antioch was like Jerusalem, the crossings can be like Antioch first. We talked about it. If we're committed to preaching the gospel of Christ. But number two, if we and I are committed to preaching the gospel of Christ to all peoples, that means it doesn't matter who. And we talked about this. They were scattered. They went all over the place. But there's some interesting things that happened to this group. As we look in Acts 11:19, the second part where we just read, it says, Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death, and then there's a space there, but preached the word of God. They did. They preached the word of God, but only to Jews. And you look at that and you think, man, wasn't this message, weren't they supposed to give it to all the world? And it's probably in this moment based on what their comfort level is. There's this idea that the Jews were supposed to be, you know, that they were the chosen people. That there was some kind of nationalism that was there. But in the Great Commission, when Christ talks to them, the Great Commission demolishes this nationalism, this, 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 this fight for just keeping it in one group. That they are preaching to just one group in this case. And it's one ethnic group of Jews. But in Acts 11, 20 and 21, we see this happening. Some of them, and I want us to think of that some of them, that it wasn't everybody, but a small group. It says, some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. And we notice that the, these men, these some of them, were, weren't named but what they did was incredibly significant because you might not understand, but what they did way back then opened the doors for our salvation now. For us to understand that if it wasn't for people who, who looked at different people and wanted to, to reach out to them, that we wouldn't know his message today. And it was God's will, but it was not accepted or practiced by the church until some of them chose to act. And that's where we're looking at ourselves. Are we going to choose to act? Are we going to choose to do the things that God wants us to do? Even when it gets out of our comfort zone. Because we see that these men that he's they're talking about had lived as a minority among non-Jews for years. Because out, for you, so outside of Palestine in Cyprus and Cyrene. And for them, interacting with non-Jews was part of a normal everyday, was part of normal everyday life. But in Palestine and in the region where the other Jews were, that a Jew could easily insulate himself from people who were not Jewish. 
He could, they could buy goods and sell goods and spend most of, of his, his daily life outside the company of non-Jews. So they were comfortable where they were. But these Jews who we look at who are in Cyprus and Cyrene would have no choice. They had to interact with no Jews, with non-Jews because a minority, as a minority, they wouldn't have the they wouldn't be able to buy and sell goods with non-Jews. That simply because there were not enough Jews to sustain a, a local economies. So for these new Jewish Christians, interactions with non-Jews was normal life. And we have interactions out there with people who aren't like this. In this case, these Jews were the minority in their culture. And as Christians, they were even a smaller minority. But they were the ones that reached to the largest group. Why? Because they got out of their comfort zone. That it is hard to act in, in the benefit of those who aren't like us because we don't know it or because of prejudice. And all of us need to admit it that it is difficult, but prejudice is a struggle and breaking down walls, uh, a special that few have consistently practiced. And let, let me tell you that I'm not saying that this is easy. I understand that. And what I want to do now is we're going to look at an example of somebody that, that shouldn't have this problem. And we're going to look at Peter, who is the Apostle Peter, whoever, St. Peter, you know that people know the churches have been named after him, and he was the one who was there that spoke first. He was, he was the leader of the church at his time. But look what happened, and then we're going to look, uh, we're going to look here in Galatians 2, 11 and 14, it says, when Peter visited Antioch, and we're talking about that church where several Gentiles were reached, it says he began to mislead the believers and cause them to stumble over his behavior. And this is Paul speaking, because, and Paul was a Jew of Jews. He was a person who was studied. And he said this, so I had to confront him to his face. And later in 12, it says why. It says this, he enjoyed being with the non-Jewish believers who didn't keep the Jewish customs, eating his meals with them up until the time the Jewish friends of James arrived from Jerusalem. So, so you have this picture of, of Peter who, who understood that God wanted Gentiles to, to, to be saved, to be part of his kingdom, all the people that were non-Jewish. So he goes to Antioch from Jerusalem, and he sees this incredible number of people being reached. And he enjoys being around them. Like, so he's eating, and, and this eating, you know, Jewish have their, their own ways of, you know, own things that they can eat or not eat, and they have their customs, and, and customs about who they can, who they can interact with. And at this moment, you see Peter forgetting about that. And he's like, no, I'm, I love this. I'm around these guys until his other friends get there, until James arrived from Jerusalem. And it says, when he saw them, he withdrew from his non-Jewish friends and separated himself from them, acting like an orthodox, orthodox Jew. And I don't know if you've ever been in a clique or, you know, in a group. I know in high school and, and you know, middle school, you know, where people start farming these cliques and, and you can't be friends with that person if you're going to be part of this group. That was kind of what was happening here. And you think, man, this, isn't this supposed to be about Christ and what he's done and people being saved? And here you see him separating himself because he, I guess he felt self-conscious about it. He felt like those people were going to judge him because of what he was doing. You see Peter, the Apostle Peter, doing that. And, and Paul saying, look, I had, to, I had to say something about it because that was wrong. 
Continuing, it says, And so because of Peter's hypocrisy, many other Jewish believers followed suit, refusing to eat with non-Jewish believers. Even Barnabas was led astray, and Barnabas was somebody that was strong, we'll talk about this a little later, was led astray by their poor, poor example and hypocritical behavior. So if this happens, happened to Peter, we have to admit that this happens among us, where we withdraw ourselves from others that we're not comfortable with, or, or others would see, see this as bad, or well, regardless of who that person is. So I wanted to talk a little bit about this. There's, there's some points there in your, in your notes that says, first, that the word translated nations in the Great Commission is the word ethnos and means race or tribe. That when Jesus said, go to all the nations, he said, go to everyone. So nobody is excluded. Whether it's, it's a different ethnicity, a different race or tribe, that's what he was talking about. That we need to be involved with everyone. Second point there is that obedience to the Great Commission requires that I teach people who are not my people. And this is something that we need to be careful because a lot of times we find ourselves in those situations thinking that we're justified or this is how, how the world is. Maybe this is how the world is, but this is not what Christ in his Great Commission says. That I cannot be obedient to the commission of Jesus and only reach out to people in my ethnic group. This is a reality because Jesus sent you out to all the world. He sent you out to all peoples. So if I am white and only reach out to, to whites, then you can't obey the Great Commission. If, if I'm black and, and only reach out to those who are black, then I can't be obedient to the Great Commission. And I could go on and on with all the ethnicities and all the different kinds of people. I cannot be obedient to the commission and only preach to those that I am comfortable with. And this is a reality that we're not going to be different from the world if this is the way we act. That the sad thing about our, our country and probably so many places is the most segregated hours in the U.S. are Sundays between 10 and 12. The churches, there are so many churches are out there that, that, that they're separated by, by their ethnicity, by, by their level of comfort and, and the things that they think are right. But the truth that God, that Jesus said is like, no, this is not what we want. We must, the next point is that we must preach to all people because it is the only sure way to determine who is open and who is closed. That's what we're trying to determine. That Jesus said that there's a harvest out there of people who are open, people who are hurting, people who are lost, that are looking for the message that's really important. Let me tell you this. No one is going to be saved because they are black or because they are white or because they are rich or poor, if they are young or old. They're going to be saved if their heart is open and they surrender to God's message. That is the only way, regardless of their color, of where they come from, socioeconomic background, their age, their gender, it is all about them being open to, to the message of Christ. In Acts 13, 45 through 47, it says this, But some of the Jewish leaders began to argue with and contradict, Paul, contradict Paul's message, as well as slander him, 
So Paul is talking, Paul who is a Jew of Jews who understands all these things is saying, look, these are the things that Christ said and that we need to do. And the Jewish people didn't like that. They started contradicting him and slandering him, saying lies about him. But then it says, Paul and Barnabas together responded with great confidence. And the important thing here to understand about this is, look, Christ wants you to do it even when it's hard, even when you have to tell people that they are wrong. You need to do and respond with great confidence. And he says this, okay then. It was only right that we should bring God's message to you, Jewish people first. He's, he acknowledges that. Look, yes, you were promised this. And we brought this to Jewish people first. But he says, but now, since you are rejecting our message and identifying yourselves as unworthy of eternal life, we are turning to the outsiders. The Lord has commanded us to do this. Remember his word? I have appointed, and this was his word to Paul, I have appointed you a light to the nations beyond Israel so you can bring redemption to every corner of the earth. He said that to Paul, but he's also saying that to every other person, to every Jew that was there. And let me tell you this about Paul. Paul, like I said, he was a Jew of Jews. He, he was a, like a rabbi. He, he was studying. He would probably become one of the most influential people in, in Judaism. Paul loved his people, the Jews, and he longed for them to listen. But since they wouldn't listen, he didn't give up on sharing. It, could have, it was a disappointment to him, but he didn't stop. He spread the message to whoever would listen. What Paul had to do in this moment, he realized his people weren't listening. He had to embrace his call as the apostle to the Gentiles if he was going to reach it. And what we're going to need to do is we're going to need to embrace our call to reach, reach whoever is open, regardless of what they look like, regardless of them not, not being like us, we are going to have to reach any, anybody that is open. In Acts 13, 48, and I don't think that is in your notes, it says this, When the Gentiles heard this, they were very glad and thanked the Lord for his message and became believers. That what we're going to have to do is, so, is, is not rely on, on the things that we feel that the world thinks or that believes or people around us do that we're going to have to rely on his message and go out and preach to others. So let me ask you this. Are we going to be like Jesus and really go into all the world and go with them and love them? Are we going to be like Peter and his bad example and stick to the people who are like us and we are comfortable with? Because if that's what we're going to do, we're going to be a church that is stoppable. Because beyond us, there are so many people that are hurting, that are open, and that want to know what Christ has brought. So if we are going to be a church like Antioch was, a church that is, that is willing to go to the rest of the world, we are going to have to be committed, we and I, to, to spreading God's message. And not only that, but to spreading His message to all peoples. doesn't matter where they are. The third thing is that we and I need to be committed to preaching the gospel of Christ to all people and to teaching them to obey what they have been taught. The idea is that if we don't understand that this is the message, that Christ's message is the most important, not put the, these ideas that we have in, inside it, that we are not going to be able to help them. So we are going to need to grow as a people. In Acts 11, 22 and through 26, it says this, 
When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch to help the new converts. So there, this, this incredible thing is happening in Antioch, and, and the message is being spread. They send Barnabas, who was somebody that was, was an incredible man, who was, who, was, who, was, who was praised several times here. And he went to help the new converts. It says, when he arrived and saw the wonderful things God was doing, he was filled with excitement and joy and encouraged the believers to stay close to the Lord, whatever the cost. Barnabas was a kindly person, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith. As a result, large numbers of people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to hunt for Paul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch, and both of them stayed there for a full year, teaching the many new converts. It was there at Antioch that the disciples were first called Christians. And there are three things as we look at this text that we need to realize that, we, that the church is going to need, that we need to be committed to. And the first thing is about producing obedient believers requires instruction. It requires that we teach. It requires that we have people who are capable of teaching. So what did they do for Antioch? They sent Barnabas because there were a lot of young Christians there. They sent Barnabas to help them. If we are going to produce also producing obedient believers requires inspiration. We as people need to remember that we are asked to encourage each other. Barnabas, was he encouraged the believers. If you're not encouraging your brother and sister that they, what they can do, if you're not helping them to, to develop their gifts so that they can help God in, in this mission, then we're, we're doing a, dis, a disservice to them. That sometimes we are so down in the dumps about our disappointments that we don't see that there are people around us that, that want to help others, but they need a word of encouragement. Are we inspiring others to do this? So they need instruction, they need inspiration, but producing obedient believers requires devotion. It requires devotion to the things that they are teaching, to, that we listen and be careful with the things that, 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 that are trying to take our focus away. Because what happened was Paul uh, Barnabas went to Tarsus to hunt for Paul. And he, was, he knew that he needed more people in Antioch to help. And he brought them back. And it says that they stayed there for a full year teaching the many new converts. That he, they had a devotion to these people. That as we see God's people, we're going to need to take the time. And we see two of the strongest leaders stayed there where there were people who weren't like them. Like I said, people that were from all, from the, all peoples. And they embraced their calling in Antioch and continued teaching the Gentiles. And you know what's interesting about this passage about Antioch? And it says here at the end there, it was there in Antioch that the disciples were first called Christians. That we realize that in the rest of the New Testament, they're referred to as disciples. And they're, they're referred in that way hundreds of times. But we only see it a couple of times, them being called Christians. And it wasn't something that they called each other. The, the people that were looking from the outside were calling them that. Why? Because they were disciples of Christ. And when you're a disciple of some, somebody, you show, the, you show those things, that their behavior and the characteristics that they had. And they're talking about Christ all the time and they're changing and they're like, why, if others are asking, why are you like that? Because we study Christ and the things that he did. And that's incredible to see that it was because they were committed 
to learning, to teaching, teaching them to obey what they had been taught from the beginning. That is what we need to do. If we are going to continue, if this church is going to be unstoppable, it's not going to be a message that we come up with. It's going to be the message that Christ gave us. So if we're going to be a church like Antioch, a church that is sending churches all the way, all in all the region, but if we're going to be a catalyst for this movement, first, we, as we talked about, we're going to have to be committed to spreading God's message. The second thing is, who do we spread it to? We spread the God's message to all peoples. And, we, and third, we talked about teaching them to obey what we've been taught. Not a different message, the message of Christ. The last thing we're going to need to do is that we and I are committed to learning and obeying what I am taught. Learning and obeying. And what we're going to look at is the next part here in the passage. It says this, that the church in Antioch had grown strong. And the question goes there, what made him strong? If you continue, it says, with many prophets and teachers. They had many prophets and teachers. They had, it was, it was strange, it was at this, and they named them all. This is kind of the, their dream team, and because of this, they had, they grew so much. And let, well, let me tell you about these people. First, Barnabas, who we've been talking about. And he was called son of encouragement. The second person they name is Simeon. And he mentions here a dark man from Central Africa. He was, he was an African man. He was of dark skin. The next he says Lucius from Cyrene in North Africa. And this is Libya. He was probably of dark skin. And the reason I keep mentioning this is that the Jews of, of their time were not particularly closer, close to people who were dark. They actually considered them pagans. So that, that we see that some of the, some of the, the prominent leaders in, in the church here are people that they normally wouldn't associate with. But it continues and talks about Manaim. He was a member of Herod's governing council. He had these royal connections among the Jews. Somebody who, an, another strange man, and then, you, and then the last one he mentions there, Saul, who was a trained rabbi who persecuted the early church and was the reason that people scattered. This is what made them strong. And if you look at that and you think about it, man, this is an, an odd mix of people by any standards that normally wouldn't be together. But these are all people who have grown. They have grown and obeyed, and the church was listening to them, regardless of their color, regardless of where they come from, regardless of their level of study. So if we are going to have a church that reaches out to people, we are going to have to have a church that raises people to teach others. Regardless of their backgrounds, of their ethnicity, or anything else that you can label them as. That we are going to have to grow. That you, as individuals, are going to need to grow. That you're going to be, need to, to learn the things that you need to do. Because I hope that, that our church is looked at and it's, and it's this diversity of people. And we can name the people that, that are helping others. And, and this person came from this background or that background. And the reason we talk about it is so that we let people know, look, it doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter the color of your skin, your age, whatever it is. What matters is that you are committed to growing, to learning, and to obeying what God wants you to. It continues and says this. And says this Once they were engaged in a time of worship and fasting. When the Holy Spirit spoke to them and it said, commission Barnabas and Saul to a project I have called them to accomplish. They fasted and prayed some more. 
laid their hands on the two selected men and sent them off on their new mission. And you see this, they're open and they're obeying, so they, they're learning. So when the Holy Spirit tells them, look, I'm going to send two of your main leaders away on a mission. What do they do? They prayed about it. They passed. They got together. But they were open to send their two strongest leaders away because they were open to obeying the Spirit. Is that you? Is that our church? That we're going to realize hard things that maybe you're going to be asked or you're going to be encouraged to go on a church plant? Are you going to do that with open arms because you, you feel that other people need to know in other places? Or are we going to, 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 to stand back in our fears and the things that we don't, don't know exactly with the kind of people that are there? I'm, I'm comfortable with it where I am. That God is telling us, look, I want you to go out. So because of a group of persecuted, scattered believers learned, obeyed, and imitated the Lord. This church at Antioch was the most diverse and one of the most effective and impactful in history. And Paul's three missionary, three missionary journeys were commissioned by the church at Antioch, not in Jerusalem. This is something we don't talk about a lot. People don't realize. Jerusalem was, you know, seems to be that place, you know, the hub for, for this really religiosity. But the truth is that it was in Antioch that they went out to do the things, the things that God asked them to. It started from Jerusalem, but Antioch, they had that feeling, why can't it be the crossings? That we, not as Jews, but as Gentiles, and we can go all over our region here, and not only here, but passed into the world. In 1 Peter 2.10, it says this, in the past, you were not a special people. And this is a real, something we need to realize. We weren't, right? But now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now God has given you this mercy. So uh, the ability of the Crossings Church to do what we say we want to do is only if its members, is for their faith and willingness to learn and obey. So let me ask you this. How much time are you spending in God's word and looking for the application in your life? How much time are you praying to God to show you the things that you need to learn? How much time are you spending reading other books to help you to understand more about leadership, about what God wants you to do, about patience, about all these things? How much time are you spending getting with your leaders and talking to them about this? Are you going after them to learn more? For one reason, so that you can apply it to your life and obey. If we're not honestly doing this, we're honestly not going to be able to be a church like Antioch. And I want to be like that church. Why? Because I want to see more brothers and sisters, people who are lost out there, being brought into a relationship with the one who can give them eternal life. Because I understand that this world is not going to be forever. That this, this crazy things that we see happening are, are because of the evil that Satan is trying to do. And we need God. The last passage here is in Hebrews 5, 11 through 14. And it says this. Paul is saying to, to people who are Jews at his time through the Hebrews. He's saying there is a great deal that we should like to say to you about this. And this is for you to understand what happens when, when people aren't committed to doing that. 
Because he continues and says, But it is not easy to explain to you since you seem so slow to grasp spiritual truth. At a time when you should be teaching others, you need teachers yourselves to repeat to you the ABC of God's revelation. You have become people who need milk, a milk diet and cannot face solid food. For anyone who continues to live on milk is obviously immature. He simply has not grown up. Solid food is only for the adult, that is, for those who have developed by experience the power to discriminate between what is good and bad for him. You think he's speaking to the Hebrews here? He's speaking to all of us. He's saying, look, we need people who can eat solid food. But he's frustrated because he has to give you milk. And he's not talking about babies. Because babies, you understand, right? They need that, that care and you need to give them milk because they don't have the teeth and development. He's saying, look, you're like 40-year-old men who haven't developed their teeth. And we need to keep giving this crushed up food or these things because you haven't learned. And God is saying you need to learn these things. Why are you wasting time with other things, focusing on other things that, that in the grand scheme eternally don't matter? And I'm not saying that hurts it out there. I understand God wants to heal our hurts. But the way that he's going to do it is through a relationship with him. That we teach his message to all people. And that we teach him what we learned. Not the things that we think are the most important thing. And that as we learn those things, that we apply it to our lives. And we obey. And God says, look, you can be a church. That is unstoppable. We can do that in our time. That the Antioch church had men and women who grew up Gentiles. Who grew up beyond a lot of the Jews that should have known better. What are we going to do? If the crossings people grow up, we will be able to have the impact that the Antioch church had in that time. And we will spread God's message to all of the world. I want that for us. But it's going to depend on we as a church. But it's primarily going to depend on today that each person, that you, as you're listening to this, that this message is for you. And if you're a member of this church, you know the things that God wants you to do. And we don't have an excuse. But some of us have been gotten bogged down in other things with COVID and with, with the racial tensions and with the, all these things that honestly, I hope will get better. But it's only going to get better if we show God's love. And guys, let me tell you this. God said that there's going to be an end to this world. I'm hoping for an end where that I did all it takes to help people to go beyond that in a relationship with him. What are you going to do today? If you're a member, I hope that you realize that you need to get up and do the things that he's asked, asked you to. If you're a guest and you're listening to this. I want to tell you that there are some opportunities that you today that you can take that it doesn't have your life can start changing today. We have a, a communication card that is a link that um, that is sent out there that if wherever you you connected connected through us. But we want you to mark on that card. No, there are several things. There's a place for you to put your information. But I think if as, you, as a guest, the most important thing for you now is that the first thing that is there is that it's my decision today. That it says, I want, I would like a personal Bible study. And what is that about? That is about somebody spreading God's message to you. 
that you would like to know more, that you would like to obey, to, to learn and obey what He wants you to do. And somebody will sit down with you and talk to you about those things in His Word. The second thing there, maybe it's for somebody that has been going through those studies and, and you've had a hard time uh, just being open to it and surrendering. That second thing says, I would like to be baptized. And it's basically saying, look, I want to die to myself and surrender in my life so I can become like Christ. And that the world looks at me and says, he is a Christian for good reasons. Not for what most people say around there about the hypocrisy. But they look at it and say, this is a man like Christ who sacrificed so much. There's also a lot in there uh, about our support groups. And we've started this week. Some support groups have started. If you're dealing with addictions, if you're dealing with past issues, uh, if, if, you're, if you're dealing with anger in your life, if you've been abused, and we know that there's so much of that that goes on in our society. If you've been divorced and, and there are, have, have had broken relationships, we want you to know that, that God wants you to heal from those things. So mark on there, and somebody will contact you about that. Mark on there something that will change your life. For our communication card, we are doing it all online now because of because of what's you know because of what's happening, and uh, even with being careful with with spreading COVID. But we want to tell our members that we want you to mark on there, and that we also need we not only need your communication card, but also your contribution for the things that that we're doing to forward God's kingdom, and it's because it's our commitment to the church. But we ask our guests that you mark on that card that you don't give anything. And I'm not saying this because we don't think that your money is good enough for us. And I'm saying that God, God intended for you to listen to this message, to give you something, to give you an incredible gift. And that incredible gift that he has given you is of his son. That you remember that that's what he wants you to, to lean on today and not about giving. Another thing today is, is remembering that this is a day that we remember the incredible things that, that God's Son has done for us. That we're going to take communion at this time. And what communion is, is, is it, it is this tray, and you've seen it before, and, and it seems like, oh, it's this little piece of bread and, and a, a little cup. What is that really about? But there's so much more, and that moment reminds us of the most incredible thing that has done has been done ever in the history of our world, was of God sending his son here, sacrificing his life, so that you could have salvation and eternal life, so that your sins could be forgiven from. So when you see that bread that's there that as an emblem, and Jesus said this when they were having that last supper that we know, you know, the Leonardo da Vinci, you know, you know, depiction of that, that he was saying, look, here's, eat this bread in remembrance of me. And I think even at that moment, they didn't understand what they were doing because he hadn't already been killed, killed and resurrected. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Why? To remember that his body was going to be beaten and broken because of us, because of our sins. And then you see that cup there and he, he passed that wine, the grape juice. He passed it to, to others there, to his apostles and said, look, drink this in remembrance of me. You know what he was saying? He's saying, look, this is the blood that was spilled for you. The blood that was, that was filling his lungs while he was trying to pull himself up so that he could breathe. That blood that came out when they put a spear in the side and his side. And that blood was spent for us. That I'm going to pray now. And I want us, as 
you know, to give you some time later to write on, write on that card, but to remember the incredible things that Christ has done for us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the God that you are, a God that nobody could imagine, a God that, that isn't about doing all the things, all just the things that you want, but you do the things for us that are right, the things that you know as human beings because you made us. You know what we're made out of. You know the, what is going to bring us the happiness and the joy, Lord. And it's not in the things that we have or, or the, the degrees or the, the status or anything. It's about us being able to help others to understand that, that there's something that you want them to have, and it's that relationship with you, Lord. Lord, you gave your son, and I can't imagine how it would be for a father to see his son suffering. At times, I think I would rather take that suffering whether to let one of my kids suffer. But the truth is that you did that. You sacrificed that lamb, that perfect lamb that was your son. Because you're saying, look, this is how much I love you. That I will sacrifice. I will give. That I gave much more than you are, than you are sacrificing in your lives. I gave my son, Lord. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for the incredible gift that he is. For our guests today, I hope they understand, Lord, that as we're, as we're talking about being unstoppable churches, Lord, we're doing this because of what one did of giving himself up for others. That he could have even taken himself off that cross. But he looked at us and said, we are worth it. And because of the joy that he would see and because he wanted to obey you, he went on. And because of that, he sits at your right hand today. And he gets to see us moving forward. So let's move forward and do the things that you want us to do, Lord. Help us. Help us to get rid of our weaknesses and the things that keep us separated, Lord. Be with the people that are hurting today, Lord, and help us to be a healing for them. Thank you so much for your son, and it's in his name you pray. Amen. Thank you for uh, being with us today. Um, we will uh, give more information uh, as to what we're going to do with services as uh, times come up. Uh, but we're glad that we're at least able to be in this uh, phase of house churches. But I hope you have a good week, uh, weekend, uh, end of weekend, and a good week coming up. Thank you.